Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WFAN and WFAN-FM New York, a radio.com sports station. Got some new music here. Oh, the, the you are that, classic. The, the, the yep. things that happen while I've been away. You are classic, Mr. Mako. You don't remember this song? Oh, I remember the song. Remember where you used to hear this song? <laughs> I-Man? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Imus. Well, of course, by now, I think everybody has heard... About the passing of Don Imus, a lot of uh, very cogent thoughts expressed on this radio station over the past couple of days, and um, a lot of people sharing very personal experiences um, with Mr. Imus over the years, uh, too. Um, Certainly, he is a legend in radio broadcasting. And I'll say this to you, Mr. Minko, and to everybody else. He is a huge inspiration. I'll say it for me being here today. It goes back. I don't have the time to tell it today. It goes back to when I was in junior high school. And a friend of mine said, hey, you got to listen to this guy on the radio. I said, guy on the radio? He says, yeah. His name is Imus. The rest, as they say, is history. And of course, speaking of history, Mr. Mako, also, this is the end of our 25th year on WFAN this morning. Starting in 2020, we move into year 26, unless management says otherwise. But my plan is to be here with the show next week. Official anniversary of our start is on January 2nd, Uh, so we've got a lot to celebrate uh, here. And, of course, our acknowledgement to the passing of uh, Don Imus as a legend in this business. I'm I'm sure the program director will have a fully catered (laughs) celebration for the start of year number 26 of the Bob Salter Empire, which continues to grow, folks. You know... I've said this to you before. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And more importantly than that, I think it's time for that to happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mr. Miko is going to keep us up to date on happenings in the sporting world. Well, good morning, everybody. We have a good program to share with you at this uh, end of 2019. Hopefully the holiday time has been a good one, a happy, healthy one for you and yours Um, I'm pleased to say that joining us on our program 
is someone who has an interesting perspective to share on a topic that we have touched upon a couple of times previously in a broad fashion on uh, this program, talking about the topic of uh, elder law, and we're going to get into talking about some senior scams that are on the rise too. Uh, Melissa Negrin Wiener is a, a partner of uh, Genser Kona Elder Law. Uh, she manages the government benefits uh, department, and uh, she's kind enough to have joined us uh, by phone on our program today. Uh, Melissa, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, I want to just make sure, did I correctly pronounce your last name? Perfect. Okay. Right, <laughs> At least I got that right. Okay. I say the term elder law to you. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that mean? You know, it's an interesting question because it is, uh, it's a little bit kind of deceiving uh, based on what we do. Elder law really encompasses so much. It's, uh, yes, dealing with seniors and things like asset protection planning and Medicaid and doing Medicaid applications, helping people get care in the home, um, in nursing homes, helping with uh, assisted living placements and things like that, um, and also uh, a wide variety of um, other things like guardianships for people who uh, may have lost capacity, and uh, also, um, you know, just generally helping um, the elderly with with those types of, of things. Um, but our firm also does estate planning, which is kind of the, the beginning of the process, um, helping people get their assets and affairs in order and planning and things like that. So we can really stay with a family from the very beginning to the very end. Um, in addition, uh, it also brings in estate administration when someone passes away or litigation. Um, so it really covers a lot for you know something that is just referred to as elder law. Is this a big area of study? In terms in the law field, it really is, um, and becoming bigger every day because the population is aging. That's um, why I was thinking it. Yeah, mm. yeah, and people are living longer, not necessarily healthier at this point. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely uh, it's a it's a big field, and it's growing every day. You used the term estate planning a couple moments ago. Sometimes people confuse that with elder law. What's the difference? So estate planning really um, encompasses things like power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, um, you know, naming somebody to make decisions for you if you become incapacitated, which people automatically just assume means, you know, you become older, maybe you have dementia or, or Alzheimer's. But really, um, we know anything can happen to anyone at any time. So once somebody turns 18, they should have a power of attorney, a health care proxy, a living will. Um, they should have a last will and testament, even if it's extremely simple in the beginning. Um, you know, that, that's what estate planning is. So it's not, it's not just for the elderly. It's for anybody. Once you turn 18, there's nobody with the power to make any sort of legal decisions for you. Uh, a lot of times parents are shocked to hear this because their kids are in college and they're still paying for everything. They're, you know, they're paying for school, they're paying for books, they're paying for meal cards, but they can't make decisions or get information about their child once they turn 18. So, um, you know, estate planning is really for everybody um, and not just for when people get older. Most of the time, the world kind of looks at it as, well, I'm not old yet, I don't need that. 
I don't need those documents. But we see stories all the time about young people and, uh, you know, unfortunate accidents and things like that where uh, they they survive it, but they lose capacity. Mm. And, you know, we hear at times about this idea of planning for uh, Medicaid eligibility uh, for those who are advancing in years. What exactly does that encompass? And really, what does that mean? Let me get right down to it. So the Medicaid program in New York State is really, um, you know, very comprehensive. And a lot of times, obviously, we, we know people want to stay home as long as possible. That That is the common, you know, desire. And so we try to help people uh, preserve what they've worked so hard for um, and protect their assets. So we talk about uh, setting up irrevocable trusts where people can place their home or um, some of their assets or both into an irrevocable trust. Um, And for in New York State, if you need care at home, you can actually transfer everything you have out of your name and qualify the first day of the following month for that care under the Medicaid program. So many people are familiar with this five-year look-back, this terminology. That doesn't exist for home care. That's only for somebody who needs care in a nursing home. So while we urge people to plan ahead and do some asset protection planning well before they would ever need care, Obviously, things happen, and you know we have to kind of backpedal sometimes and regroup. Uh, but that's you know that's what we do, and that's why you need to use somebody who does this every single day. Um, but the whole idea of Medicaid planning is really an asset protection plan, and putting yourself in a position where uh, you know you can choose where you want to be and how you want to be taken care of, and um, and still have some of your hard-earned assets to. Uh, take care of your other needs or pass them along to the next generation. We're going to take a pause in just a couple of moments, but let me just ask you about one other thing that's on my mind and, and does come up in discussions too. For parents of kids with special needs, what does elder law offer uh, for them in terms of planning, I guess? Yeah, so it's great to include that because um, it is a big part of estate planning, elder law, is uh, helping families with children who have special needs, which, again, doesn't necessarily pop into your head when you say elder law, right? But, um, you know, people who are raising a child with special needs, they need to make sure that when they're setting up their own estate plan, um, they don't uh, leave assets perhaps to a child who shouldn't have access to them or can't handle them themselves or perhaps a child on some sort of government benefit. So if they come into the money from the parent, it could upset their benefits. There's so many different things to look at and pay attention to when you're doing planning. Um, And of course, if there's a child with special needs, that's a huge part of it. And um, we've seen cases where families have come to us to help when um, money has been left to a child with uh, with some sort of disability, and that child is on Medicaid. Because once the money comes to that child, now they no longer qualify for their Medicaid benefits. So there are you know, many different things that we can do to protect that child, make sure they're still getting the care they need, and make sure that they still have use of those funds that their parents wanted to take care of them. We're talking on our program on the fan this Sunday morning with Melissa Negrin-Wiener. She is a partner at Genser Kona Elder Law. 
Uh, she manages the Government Benefits Department. She's with us for our entire hour of our program this morning. Um, you know, I'll mention the fact that for the benefit of folks who are listening to us, you want to jump in with a question that's on point with what we're talking about, you can. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. Um, we'll get into talking about this uh, topic of senior scams, which, as I understand, are on the rise as we continue on our program. I'm Bob Solter. Melissa is with us up until uh, 7 this morning, at which time the NFL preview happens here on The Fan. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Brian Rascona is at the controls, keeping us in fine form technically this Sunday morning. We're in a chat with Melissa Negrin-Wiener. She is a partner at Genser Kona Elder Law. She um, manages the Government Benefits Department. What's the contact information for the firm, by the way? We can be reached at uh, 631-390-5000, and our website is genserlaw.com. Okay, so that's G-E-N-S-E-R-L-A-W. That's all this one word, dot com. Yes. We'll repeat that before we are done in discussion, too. Um, I mentioned before we paused for our sports update um, that what I wanted to do was to get into talking a little bit about senior scams being on the rise, but I also said if there's some folks who are on point with things that we are bringing up in discussion, that they can join us. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. Let's go first to Bob in, uh, is that Allentown, Pennsylvania? Yes, hi, good morning. And good morning to you, Bob. Miss Weiner. Uh, I, I wonder if you could expand upon the irrevocable trust, as you, you mentioned, that it applies to Medicare, the five-year look-back, and nursing homes. And I, I would take for granted that uh, you should not choose yourself as trustee. Yes. Good morning, Bob. Um, you know, first let me just say that uh, the the laws for Medicaid differ from state to state. So uh, to the to the point that, that I'm making regarding Medicaid and irrevocable trusts, um, it really is just uh, New York State that I'm that I'm speaking about. But as a general um, rule, when you create an irrevocable trust, it is best that you not be your own trustee. You shouldn't be your own trustee, um, especially for Medicaid purposes, because the idea of setting up the irrevocable trust is for asset protection purposes. And if you are a trustee, Medicaid can view that as you mm. having too much control over your assets. I see. And can I just ask a general question? Uh, and then uh, uh, I get so confused between living will, health care directive, health power of attorney. Would you distinguish those for me, please? Sure. A health care, we, we, we call it a health care proxy. Some people call it a, a power of attorney for health care. But a power of attorney is a financial document. That's where you name somebody to make decisions regarding your finances, pay your bills for you, things like that, um, if you cannot handle it yourself. The health care proxy is where you name somebody to make health care decisions for you. So if you are, um, if you're ill, if you're terminal even in the hospital, but you're able to communicate your wishes, your doctors are going to listen to you. Your health care proxy is in place if there comes a time where you can no longer communicate what it is that you want from a health care perspective. Um, the living will um, in New York, it supplements the health care proxy in that it just 
states your wishes regarding end-of-life decisions, whether or not you want artificial nutrition, hydration, um, things like that, uh, if you're in a uh, vegetative state or terminal, terminal uh, situation. So it really supplements the healthcare proxy that names that individual to make those decisions for you. And those are the two documents everyone really should have. It's really power of attorney, healthcare proxy, living will. It's the three documents, and we refer to those also as advanced directives. You'll hear that terminology as well, um, and it's it, it's very important to have those in place. Well, thank you so much. It's very helpful. Oh, no problem. Thank you for calling. Bye, Bob. Thank you. Bye now. All right, uh, 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. We're talking with Melissa Negrin-Wiener. She is a partner at Genser Kono Elder Law and she manages the Government Benefits Department. Back to the phones, we go to uh, Jay in Manahawken. Jay, good morning. Welcome to the hey, fan. Good morning, Bob. It's been a while. I was Jay up in Bergen County. Yes. How are you? I haven't yeah. talked to you, What'd Bob. What'd you do, head, head south? Yeah, we decided to come down by the kids. Uh, we're down in uh, right between uh, Route 72 takes over to LBI. So I, I'm kind of stuck today between uh, the a giant fan. Uh, I want. I got a lot of Eagle fans <laughs> down here, so <laughs> I don't want oh. Dallas to get in. I'm sorry, uh, Melissa. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Defin- <laughs> you're definitely an Eagle fan in Eagle fan country down there. I yes. sure am. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And uh, well, anyway, uh, we had uh, a while back. My brother-in-law uh, was quite sick. He had uh, ALS, and he developed uh, also dementia which I think the dementia actually uh, helped him not realizing the pain he was in with the ALS. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was terrible. Anyway, my sister-in-law had to get uh, people into the house. Uh, she could not handle them. Uh, he was in just as, uh, he was 80, just above 80 years old. And uh, the first people that came in were not nice. And... Uh, she called the whoever they call the company that uh, sends these people and finally got somebody in there that could handle them. How do we know we're going to have somebody in the home? And I know they're not going to treat you like your family is. Uh, how do we get some kind of guarantee that the person that's coming in to take care of you is going to take care of you and not uh, look in your drawer and take uh, that little bit of money you have left or your jewelry and... It's, yeah. you know, people have cameras in their homes today. You see it on the news, how some people have been treated. And uh, I was just wondering if you could answer that question, how that works out. Yeah, sure, Jay. Um, you know, uh, the ALS is it's horrible, and I have a lot of clients um, through the ALS Association here on Long Island. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's always a concern uh, when you have strangers or anybody coming into the home. Um, you know, it's important uh, to use a reputable agency and have a good have good communication with them. I mean, sometimes there's just they, the people just don't jive. They, they're not yeah, yeah. bad people necessarily, yeah, yeah. but um, and uh, so it's always uh, important to be able to reach out to the agency and say, "Hey, you know, we need you to to send somebody else." 
the ALS people were wonderful. They did get somebody in there. They, they were yeah, yeah, they are terrific. Yeah, that's, I mean, everything was donated to the ALS Foundation. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. But, um, you know, in New York, we have something called the Consumer, um, Consumer Directed Personal Assistance Program. Right. Where you can actually have relatives, friends, other, you know, people um, that are not home health aides with an agency, but you're, you know, well, Your that's what family happened. members get right. paid through the Medicaid program. Right. The granddaughter wound up. She was, has a nursing degree, and uh, she was able to come in and help. Yeah. So, so we have those okay. options, but you know, it, it's unfortunately it's it's the luck of the draw. You do have to be very careful. Um, yeah. I have seen and experienced with my own family, you know, caretakers that become part of the family. Yeah. Um, so it can really go, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other. Right. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's just important to advocate, be there, make sure they know that, um, you know, you're watching and you're part of it and, and you, you know, you can advocate for your loved one. Well, listen, thank you very much. You really answered the question. Because in the beginning it was very rough for them to, you know, to get somebody. Yeah. And then actually the granddaughter was able to uh, do it with her nursing degree. Yeah, sometimes that's the best. Yeah. Well, listen, have a very happy New Year. You too, Bob. Uh, nice talking to you again. Thank you very much, Jay. And take care. Have a, happy, have a great year. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Anybody who wants to join us on the phone in the discussion, 877-337-6666. That's our number here at The Fan. We're talking with Melissa negrin Weiner. She is a partner at Genser Kona Elder Law, and she uh, manages the Government Benefits <laughs> Department. Um, she's talking with us uh, by phone on our program today. Now, there's a number of different things I want to get into. I mentioned this idea of the um, um, senior scams being on the rise. And, you know, a lot of us, we hear this idea of scams being pulled on seniors and our skin bristles. Um, What are we really seeing with this? There are so many different scams that we're seeing now. Um, the, the, um, The scammers are becoming just unbelievably, you know, um, in control of of the technology, and it's just unbelievable. So um, what we are seeing most, uh, a lot of, is these grandparent scams. I'm not sure if you're familiar with with this one, but um, this one kind of blows me away because I actually watched it happen with my father. I was at his house, um, you know, where somebody is calling and saying, you know, Grandma, Grandpa, I'm in trouble whether I'm, I'm in jail or I'm away on a vacation and uh, my credit cards were stolen and I need money wired. And, oh. you know, they're playing on the fears of a vulnerable part of the population. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even click sometimes with, you know, with the, with the elderly person picking up the phone that, you know, my grandchild is away in Europe. No, they're not. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a, it, it's a fear that kind of takes over and they just want to help. So I was at my parents' house, and my dad picked up the phone, and my dad is Greek, so we, the, the kids all call him Papu. Nobody calls him Grandpa. But the person calling obviously didn't know that, so they, they called him Grandpa. And I heard him say, my grandkids don't call me Grandpa, and he hung up. And I was like, wow, that just really happened? You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, but that's what people are doing, and they are, they are very successful with it. It's, it's quite unbelievable. What about the romance scams? We've heard of these over the years. What's involved there? 
Um, again, <clears throat> playing on um, you know the, the vulnerability of the of this population. A lot of elderly folks are alone. Um, you know, their families visit and 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 you know swing by and maybe call on the phone once in a while, but they're lonely and. So these romance scams really are uh, individuals who are reaching out and forming relationships with the senior um, to the point where, you know, in many cases, the senior truly believes the person is, you know, in love with them. And the money part comes in where after the relationship is developed, the individual says they want to come to visit, to, to meet in person, but they need money. It's, you know, it's always going to be that kind of, uh, you know, end game. And the senior will send the money for the person to visit. And, of course, that is the end of it. Um, so it's it's ter- it's sad. And, again, it's just playing on, on the vulnerability and the loneliness that the seniors are, you know, dealing with. Mm. Back to the phone we go to Pat in Nyack, New York. Pat, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Hey, how are you? Um, I just wanted to ask a question to um, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Yes, Pat. Yeah, hi, how are you? Um, my mom actually has um, like a Parkinson's type uh, disease. And um, here's the thing. Um, uh, I just wanted to make one like a kind of – we, we uh, got the aids from care.com, and that was kind of good because um, – we had more sort of like input into, you know, who we were, who we were getting and everything. There's some disadvantages to that too. Um, but I had a question for you. Um, I'm 50, I'm going to be 60 this year. And, um, what do you think? My mom did have the long-term care insurance and that's helped. Um, um, but the thing about the difference between my mom and I is that like, you know, my mom had me and my brothers to kind of help administer this whole thing. Um, would you recommend for somebody my age to get the long-term care insurance? It's like $10,000 a year. Yeah, Pat, um, I, I, <laughs> I, it's a tough question. Um, I think that long-term care insurance is, uh, is great um, when it works. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of different products out there now. I, of course, don't sell long-term care insurance. We as attorneys, we don't do that. We, um, we see policies that come in with our clients and potential clients. Um, I know that there's a lot of different um, types of of long-term care products that may not have been av- available when your um, when your mother was purchasing her policy. Well, well um, she was paying seven thousand a year. What happened was, um, when she was seventy, she took this out, and um, then when she got this, my mom was working. You know, it's like it's, it's heartbreaking, and. Um, so then, like we have it, so it pays like three twenty nine a day. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, um, it's gonna run out, you know. And then the thing about this policy is, is that um, you get um, you get like um, you get um, to to go right to Medicaid supposedly. So when this money runs out, uh, she's gonna be able to go to Medicaid. That sounds like she may have a partnership policy, which is a New York well, it State was, it policy. Was, it was with Genworth. It was with Genworth, and that's like the agreement that they had at the time. Yeah. Um, Again, there are so many different types of policies, and one of the things you have to kind of pay attention to is that number that you had said, 360 dollars a day. Yeah. Um, you want to pay attention to what the coverage is going to be because you're looking at costs 
for nursing home care five six hundred dollars a day. Um, yeah, I know, I know. I know. So the well, we kept care. our home. We kept our home, but I got to tell you, between paying everyone and everything, and then the fact that you know, um, I've done. I'm working, and then I do. You know, a lot of work. You know, pro bono. You know what I mean? And it's 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 tremendous. It's it's it's. it's I mean, the work nursing home possibly could be cheaper, but it's just the level of care she's getting. She gets to go out. You know, right. and mm-hmm. the, the thing that's so amazing about it is my, my mom actually has Lewy body dementia and people stare because someone in her, you know, with what she's got is usually locked up in a, in a nursing home, you know, right. and she's out and about and it just, um, that, that's, that's an amazing thing, you know? Right. Um, Pat, yeah. Pat, well, my, I'm, I'm sorry, but we got to run here. Thank can, you very can I just much for your, one more thing. No, unfortunately we, we just don't have time for it. I got to, got to run here. Thank you for your call. Certainly wish you the best to you and to your mom. Uh, you want to join us, 877-337-6666 is our number. Talking with Melissa Negrin Wiener on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. As a matter of fact, it's the last Sunday of 2019. This is Bob Solter. We're in discussion with Melissa Negrin Wiener. She is an attorney. She's a partner at Genser Kona Elder Law on Long Island. Uh, she manages the Government Benefits Department, and she's joined us on our program their website is Genser Law, G-E-N-S-E-R-L-A-W, that's all as one word, dot com. Uh, their office phone number is 631-390-5000. We had a caller off here who asked a question, are you um, licensed to practice in the state of Connecticut, Melissa? No, just New York. Okay. Uh, but if people reach out to us, we would uh, certainly be able to put them in touch with, with someone in their area. Okay. We were talking about this whole idea of um, scams targeted toward older adults. We covered the grandparent scams, the romance scams. Another one that comes up very often in discussion is this idea of imposters from that favorite um, branch of the federal government for so many of us, the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah. What happens with these scams? Yeah, again, um, the technology is really allowing um, these these scammers to, to make this look so real. They can even um, uh, spoof the telephone number. So mm. when it comes up on your phone, it doesn't say, I don't know if you get these on your cell phone, but scam likely or something like that. Oh, or, yeah. Um, you know, some number where you say, yeah, this doesn't, they actually are able to, to, to make it look like it's coming from wherever they want it to, to be coming from. And uh, it's important for people to note that the IRS will never call you on the phone. Um, they're not going to email you. They're not going to come to your door. Um, you know, they'll, they'll contact you through regular mail typically. But, yeah, I mean, people are calling and, and again, playing on the fears, saying, you know, Something was done incorrectly. There's money owed. There's, um, you know, they're going to be arrested. They're going to be uh, incarcerated. It's it, it's it's terrifying for people. And and I've seen it. Uh, I've seen clients. I just had some uh, family, and not too long ago, where the parents had paid over two hundred thousand dollars over a period of time because once they. Uh, you know, once the scammers basically had them, it just kept going. And the children didn't realize it until, you know, well down the road when they were taking a look at some banking statements actually to, to, to come in and meet with an attorney. 
Mm. And uh, yeah, it's it's really it's terrifying, but uh, it's important to just kind of keep that in mind that um, the IRS isn't going to call and ask you to verify your social security number or <laughs> you know anything like that. <laughs> Or tell law enforcement to come to your house to, to yeah, it's, collect it's really... um, the whole idea of the lottery scams mm-hmm. that target seniors. Um, what exactly are the scammers looking for in that case, or what are they asking for? So what what it really comes down to is. They are uh, promising a reward, a large sum, uh, you know, a lottery winning, um, and in in order to get the money, the senior or the person on the other end of the of the line has to pay the taxes ahead of time or pay a fee ahead of time, and then they'll get their reward. So, of course, that never comes. Um, and it could be gift cards they're requesting. Um, it could be um, uh, money orders. You know that they ask for very specific things. And uh, again, you know, um, the people that we're dealing with, you know, a more vulnerable population, um, they're going to go and 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 do what's you know what's asked of them if they they believe that this money is coming to them. Um, you know, similar to the emails we used to get where, you know, I have all this money, I'm in Nigeria, and I need a bank account to route it through, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's just easy for, for people to, um, to believe it, and, and they go ahead and they, they send the money or they send the information, and now, now it just keeps going, and it can really become an issue. And I've seen it happen with so many different clients so many times. It's so sad when you stop and think about the fact of how people will seek, in some cases, to rip off other people, too. Back to the phones we go. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. You have a question that's on point with what we're talking about with uh, Melissa in our discussion. Feel free. Uh, Back back to the phone to Sean in Piscataway, New Jersey. Sean, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm kind of late to the uh, show, so I don't know if you've talked about, uh, I know you've talked about healthcare proxies and advanced directives, but I have a question about um, uh, um, gosh, I'm sorry, trusts. Um, Is it better to have a trust or a will? As opposed, you know, um, it, I, I hear there's a difference between um, um, a will and uh, my mother is, is 80. She's, she's talking about um, a family member who says trusts are better. Um, there's no, there's, uh, I guess you don't have to go through probate court or something like that. Just get the attorney to um, kind of enlighten me on the difference and which is better. Sure. Good morning, Sean. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um you know, it all really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, there are different types of trusts. There's trusts that are revocable and trusts that are irrevocable. Um, an irrevocable trust is what people use for asset protection, for long-term care planning purposes and things like that. A revocable trust, where you can break it any time, you can pull the money back out, um, that's what people tend to use to what they say avoid probate. 
right? Mm-hmm. So they don't have to go through the court process to have the assets um, distributed after they pass away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it depends on where you are. Uh, you know, the probate process in some states is a lot more tedious than others. We we don't necessarily feel uh, that it's uh, that important to have it for the purpose of avoiding pro- probate. Um, a last will and testament um, will serve the purpose of saying, you know, who you want to get what when you pass away, whether it's personal items or money um, or home, and you go through the court process of filing a petition with the court and, um, you know, having the assets distributed that way with some court oversight. With the trust, you don't have to to, uh, to go through that process and you can leave your assets um, the same way um, in the trust as you would a will. What, what we tend to recommend is really both because, Sometimes there are assets that are not in the trust that mm-hmm. perhaps somebody forgot about or came into after they made the trust and mm-hmm. they don't put it in the trust. And so now they don't have a will mm-hmm. to dictate where those assets go. And so they're going to pass a different way. You still have to go through the court system, but they're going to pass according to the laws of that state of you know how assets pass when you don't have a will. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important even if you have a trust to still have a will to kind of catch anything that isn't in the trust. Does one supersede the other? Um, no, unless the language is written into it. Sometimes language is written into the documents where a will will control what's in the trust or a trust will control what's outside. So if you were to, okay, she has a will. Um, she, like I said, she's talking to family members who said, oh, don't have, you, you need to get a trust. So mm-hmm. should should would there be a conflict if we now went and got a trust um, between the two documents? Like like does the trust now? Okay, that's in that's in place. Um, I, I know you just said it, but I just want to hear it again. Oh the, yeah, no, the, that's fine. That's that's fine. I, you know, it's really important to consult with an attorney who's going to review what she has in place already, mm-hmm. and um, you know, see what makes the most sense for her. But as long as the um, the attorney has that document in hand, they should be setting things up so that there's no conflict. Okay, okay, all right. Um, I will be checking your website because we need to find an attorney. Thank you very much. For oh, terrific. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for your call there, Sean, as mm-hmm. well. Uh, one of the things that had come to my attention as well, Melissa, is the fact you do a, a, a podcast that's actually uh, people can – reach that through your company's website. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, we do. We have great guests on the podcast. We talk about all sorts of different topics um, from financial planning to estate administration to um, senior dating. Uh, Very interesting topic. That's an interesting one, yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's, uh, uh, great to tune into a lot of uh, great conversation on there. Okay. I'd be remiss also if I did not ask you about Senior Dreams Come True. This is an interesting program. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you for asking about it. Near and dear to my heart, um, it is a um, a, a not-for-profit arm of our firm. It's our signature program, and it is um, somewhat similar to a -A Make-A-Wish, but for seniors. So we raise money throughout the year on a you know revolving basis. We grant wishes to low-income seniors um, on the island and in the boroughs 
So anything from, you know, a basic need to fulfilling a lifelong dream. We, um, you know, we help seniors uh, with dental work. We helped uh, a senior who um, wanted to go visit her grandchild in Florida but couldn't afford the airfare to uh, to get down there to see her grandchild. So um, really, the wish could be anything. Um, the, the criteria is on our website, and uh, we're constantly asking for people to send in wishes because we want to help as many seniors as possible. Okay. Genser Law, G-E-N-S-E-R-L-A-W, that's all as one word, dot com, the uh, website. This is a um, question from a listener, somebody's listening, um, and the question came to me in an email. It says, uh, listening, um, wants to ask you about end-of-life choices and compassion, choices about the concept of ending a life legally and with dignity. Um, and... The listener is asking if you um, follow the legal co- legal cases, some of the movement that's on this topic that's been taking place in New York State. Sure. I mean, it's something that we, you know, we talk about and we see happening in other areas of the country. Um, it's, you know, <clears throat> it's something that we have to wait and see what happens here. Um, you know, right now it's not obviously something that, that happens but uh, and very important to make sure that your family members who are going to be involved in end of life decisions for you, if that you know if that were to to happen, um, that they know what you want, what your wishes are. Right now, that's what we have here. You know, we have family members that can make decisions um, when we get to a certain point of um, you know um, artificial nutrition, hydration, things like that, and uh, you want to make sure you have your living will in place so that that they know what you want. They, they, the burden is not on them to make the decision, and what you want to happen gets carried out. Okay, we'll do one final call here from Michael in Farmingdale, New Jersey. Michael, unfortunately, we've got just about a minute of time. Very quickly. Just a quick question. We have an irrevocable trust that was done by my mother-in-law. She passed. And the question is, do we need to dispose of this trust? It, the trust of two trustees was my wife and her sister. And uh, they don't know what they want to do with the house at this particular stage. In fact, the sister occupies the house. And my uh, my wife uh, made a promise to the mother that they wouldn't force the sister out of the house. But do we have to dispose, uh, you know, liquidate that trust and move the deed into their names or can we leave the trust in place until we decide what we want to do with the the house that's a great question unfortunately i would have to read the language of the trust to be able to give you an exact answer Um, sometimes the trust uh you know the house can stay in the trust the trust can remain in place for some period of time um in other cases uh, family members will want to. Um... I could read, read. See, the trust was initially set up. She had a handicapped son, so all her assets were there to be uh, helped the handicapped son. Well, the handicapped son predeceased her, so now the mother passed away a year ago, and it simply says, "Upon the advice of the son, the trustee shall pay and distribute the trust estate net expenses to the two sisters." But the question is, we want to leave it in the trust right now until we decide what we want to do, or do we are we forced by the trust to make that dis- disposition again? How we put the house in both of their names rather than the trust name? 
Right. Again, I, I would have to take a look at it, but okay. you also want to consider if tax you know, for tax yes. purposes, does it make better sense to have it in the trust or in somebody's name um, for exemptions and things like that? So right. there's a lot of different um, yeah, crazy things to look at. Yeah, Michael, yeah. thank you for your call this morning. And uh, Melissa, Melissa Negrin Wiener, who's a partner at Genser Kona Elder Law on Long Island. GenserLaw.com, the website. Thank you very much for joining us. Certainly the best with your work. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.